Hi, this is Annika. Welcome to the podcast Gender and Climate. In this podcast, we talk about how climate change affects people around the world with focus on gender differences. In other words, how gender and climate affect and relate to each other. We always pick one specific topic to cover the subject from different angles. So, let's get started! Today, I'm talking to Deepti Ameta. Deepti is a gender and development professional. She has worked with local grassroots organizations as well as international organizations such as Save the Children, United Nations for Population Fund or the SOS Children's Village of India. Deepti's ability to envisioning the larger vision while connecting with the nuances at micro level make her a lateral leader. Young people, especially young women professionals, find a role model in her and thus, after two decades of her interesting career path, she has emerged as a thought leader. We are talking today about social businesses and what it means to promote rural entrepreneurship. Hi Deepti, I am so happy to have you here today. Hi Anika, and thank you so much. The pleasure is all mine uh, to be here with you talking about this very important issue. Thank you so much for welcoming me. Thank you so much already for this very important and very interesting talk we're going to be having about social entrepreneurship. And as I told you, and as the listeners may know, I am absolutely loving social entrepreneurship and social businesses and everything what has to do with impact in the business world. So I'm very, very curious what you're going to be talking about today. Deepti, um, I know you're living in India, but I don't know much more about you. So I would actually please ask you to introduce yourself and to give us a little idea and yeah a little storyline actually of who you are where you are right now and where you actually grew up mm -hmm. so anika i um uh, come from a part which is north west of india um, the state called rajasthan And Rajasthan is um, a state, if you want to picture it on the global map, you know, it, it shares the border with Pakistan. Um, and uh, Rajasthan is also a state which is um, famous for its uh, cultural heritage, um, you know, beautiful palaces and all. And at the same time, also a state where gender inequality is steeply high, um, you know. Um, but having said that, um, I've had the fortune of working um, on gender issues all my life uh, for the past 20 years because I'm passionate about gender, um, inclusion, climate change, livelihoods. These are, these are my focus. Of course, climate change, we are talking about much more now. Uh, but interestingly, I've also worked on climate change about 10 years ago when we first started even talking about the carbon credits program, you know. Uh, which is much early in it, around that time. I think nobody, in fact, even knew what that meant. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, I I have, um, I mean, I was born in Rajasthan. I grew up in Rajasthan. Um, and, um, and yeah. Is that enough or do you want more information? No, no. That's, that's so nice, Deepti, because I actually just recently had another guest from Rajasthan and... He, he was also very inspiring and 
Yeah, I highly recommend listening to to his episode as well. Um, I will. <laughs> but today we're not talking about uh, Rajasthan and India. Well, of course, we're talking about India and Rajasthan, but not in detail and just only about the location and uh, geography. Um, but we're talking about social entrepreneurship, social businesses and about women. Um, mm -hmm. Why would you say that female-led businesses in India are important to tackle the climate crisis? And how would you say do they do that? Mm. So, you know, there is an interesting interplay between uh, the climate change, its impacts um, and on on humanity. But then, you know, especially looking at looking at it from gender perspective. Um, and I say this because some of the data might just give you a sense. So I predominantly work with women living in the rural areas and the rural tribal communities where um we, you know, I have essentially focused most of my career, um, are uh, dependent on their natural resources. Um, and climate change and natural resources, you know, go hand in hand, if you know what I mean. Um, so, you know, it's interesting when I look at that about 79% of rural women in India are working in agriculture. Um, and 80% of their time goes in agriculture. Can you imagine that the national policy on climate change that India has just drafted? And it is a recent, very recent uh, policy and angle that the whole uh, you know, global community is looking at. Obviously, we didn't pay attention to that. So it's very nascent. But um, if you look at that uh, and you look at the uh, sustainable development goals, you know, the indicators, I was reading one of the reports by Indian government and And I was quite surprised to see that when they link each SDGs with the other SDGs, you know, the climate change, the SDG goal number 13 is not linked with SDG number five. Yeah, yeah. And I was quite uh, appalled by that. But also, um, you know, I understand that, you know, many people when or anybody, I think it's hard uh, for us to think the gendered approach, um, you know, to what, I mean, so many things that we do in our lives. Um, in this case, I think, you know, when you think of a farmer, I don't know about your country, but I think in, in our country, when we think of farmers, we think of men and we forget mm -hmm. that women actually play a crucial role. Uh, and so why women-led business is important, Anika, it is because, you know, when women are, you know, doing most of the labor in agriculture, women because of the gender inequalities that are existing already because of the patriarchy, because of the norms, because how we look at, you know, the gender roles of men and women. We forget that while women are doing most of the labor, they do not have access to information and they do not have access to markets. I mean, in between, there is a lot that also they don't have access to. Now, what that means is that if they do not have, um, you know, the confidence of making decisions, if climate change, um, you know, and the extreme weathers, when they are impacting their livelihoods, the women are not at the forefront of making those decisions mm -hmm. to take care of their lives and of their families. So that's why I think it is extremely important and timely that we look at women's participation in the economic sphere and integrate climate action in that rather than the other way around. 
We know that women are at the forefront of climatic changes, but um, or the ones being impacted most by climatic changes. But the, unfortunately, as you said, they're not the forefront of taking the decisions. Um, and we have discussed that so many times in this podcast already. And yeah, so I think there there are lots of changes to 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 be made and. Um, yeah, and and you you're being one person of like talking and working with women from the rural areas, um, and as you as you said, you are also yeah like and you're working with them like on a daily basis almost. Um, what does it mean to you to promote rural entrepreneurship? And are there are there some some stories you may tell, um, maybe some success stories as well. Sure. Um, so when we say rural entrepreneurship, I think maybe it's it's important for me to highlight what do we mean by rural entrepreneurship. In fact, um, Anika, uh, when we say entrepreneurship, I think or social entrepreneurship, I think we all tend to imagine, and I'm and I'm kind of being very prescriptive here, generalizing that we all imagine it like that but i think the the dominant uh, image that comes to our mind is like a businesswoman with you know like in a business suit and you know like you know <laughs> solving all the modern problems and all of that i'm sure uh, and 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 that i i i mean i would also think like that i would say if i hadn't uh, worked in the sector you know um because i think we paint the picture uh, of the world from our lens so um so i think when we say entrepreneurship i think a lot of people would also not be able to connect with it thinking that you know entrepreneurship is possible in the rural areas first of all the second is um when we say entrepreneurship we also may not realize or recognize it's a fancy word these days but um entrepreneurship uh, entrepreneurship if it is just merely about a business like you know the profit and loss taking risks you know making progress you know it is actually for the poor people um anywhere even in the urban cities or slums or in the rural areas it is a necessity uh it is a means uh to you know make both ends meet um so in that sense when we say rural entrepreneurship i am essentially in my context talking about um you know the families living um you know below 2 dollars a day uh and in that there whatever uh, natural resources or livelihood means are how do we enhance value in that so that you know these are profitable they make enough incomes for people and in this case for women so that they have all the means that they they can arrange with that money i mean the money and the control over the money is what we are basically talking about at least the kind of work that i do at udyogini the organization that i'm currently involved with and when i say udyogini udyogini uh, means a woman entrepreneurship so naturally mm-hmm. the larger uh, focus of our work or my work is looking at women and building them as rural entrepreneurs now uh, when we say um, the uh, rural entrepreneurship we are talking about the agriculture the forest based value chains and also within that anything that makes not just part of the value chain but maybe you know one part of the value chain then we call it you know for the 
convenience we call it or we you know for uh, differentiation we call it the self employment so essentially anybody using those products from agriculture and forest produce converting them into a product a fine fine product a finished product that you and i would consume so an example of that would be let's say the cooking oil uh, or let's say the green um, green tea for example mm-hmm. so things like that so how do uh, we integrate women into the rural entrepreneurship in the rural value chains is what i do day in and day out do you mean if i understand it correctly then um women for example produce something on their own for for example they they go and harvest tea leaves and then they harvest not only for their own family but a little more so they can use that these produce and kind of like pack them or sell them actually to to people who are interested in that good is it correctly if i understand it that way yes so let me give you a couple of uh, products uh, and an example of that so if we were to go in the central part of india where we work in jharkhand chatisgarh and madhya pradesh the tribal <laughs> I, yeah, I, could, I, i wouldn't be able to pronounce that <laughs> <laughs> yeah you wouldn't know but central india is good for now so central <laughs> india um, you know is a is is uh, you know a tribal belt in the sense mm-hmm. more people about like you know 70 80% of families are tribal families tribal in this context is basically indigenous people um and they uh, have their own traditional knowledge and they rely on the natural resources like agriculture and then forest produce so what is a forest produce so say uh, we don't cultivate the tamarind so tamarind is grown on trees and these trees have been natural and are naturally grown so women would collect these i mean we've trained them i mean they do that uh, traditionally already as i said that these are natural entrepreneurs what uh, we are doing as an organization is that we are um you know changing some of the practices so that um, the produce that they harvest is sustainably harvested because it's important because we have to be mindful of the environment the second that when it is harvested can it be harvested in a manner which uh, you know gives them the highest produce at the end of the day because let's say um to give you an example let's say the tamarind when it's when it's been harvested uh, if the techniques employed are not uh, correct in and i would and i would tell you what correct means then you know a lot of produce or part of the produce would actually go bad uh say uh, you know there was um you know if you throw all of the produce on the ground let's say tamarind then it would catch dirt and then cleaning the dirt would either mean you know a lot of labor is invested in that which means the the you know production cost would go high so not necessarily uh you know the women may have thought about this because you know uh, it's not that they lack the common sense it's just you know they have not been taught and these are traditional practices they may not have that information and they may not know that you know that is part of the reason their their produce is um sold at a cheaper rate you know they could have made more profit there so that's one part you know just for the explanation i'm telling you um so that is one and then two when they do sell it you know let's say there are 10 women in that cluster and 10 women would go and sell on their own because this is you know when people live in poverty they also do distress selling 
Um, so I need cash today. I would just go sell it today instead of waiting um, and, you know, accumulating and substantial, uh, you know, volume, which would fetch me a price or actually collaborating with other women and then selling it. So these are the, you know, some of the skills, some of the process that we uh, train the women in um, and, you know, collectivize them when they're collectives, then aggregate it together and then mm-hmm. they have much more bargaining power with the middleman. So that's how it works. So tamarind is one produce, but there are many others. So like um, I told you about the tea or it could be, um, you know, some sort of fruit or it could be anything else. Or curcuma, curcuma, I just know. I, I know there is another word in in, in India. In India, you, you have for it curcuma, curcuma. Okay. No. I'm sure there are... Never, the, never mind, never yeah, mind. No, there are many products, actually. Many <laughs> yeah. produce of agriculture, yeah. Like, recently we are working on a potato value chain. So, a potato value chain, you know, there are... Of course, in agriculture, different um, job roles are given, right? Like, so women would do certain part of the agriculture. Usually, they end up doing, you know, the weeding, the sowing, uh, the harvesting, you know, because these are labor-intensive jobs and men... Mm-hmm usually take the other roles, for example, they would go to the market, they would negotiate, mm-hmm. they would bring the inputs. So uh, what happens is that the the decision-making uh, resource in, in, in intensives or the profit-intensive jobs are actually divided for men and women only do the things that would not involve them getting out of their homes. So mm-hmm. in those value chains, we recognize where women are adding values. And then we also support these women to go and access the market, have more information, understand where they can in, uh, uh, bring the inputs. In fact, we've even trained women to uh, to buy that uh, agriculture inputs and then become an entrepreneur within that value chain to distribute that input in agriculture to other women. And that is a game changer. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are all success stories. For example, um, let's say the chili value chain that we are working in Rajasthan. And, you know, the women need to know where they can get the quality seeds, at what time, what time they should sow it. And should they do uh, the soil testing so that they know that what sort of, on what combination of, you know, fertilizers, uh, fertilization, uh, fertilizers out, um, you know, the the chemical fertilizers and organic, what mix they should. So all of this information when women have, and that's why women-led businesses are important. When women have that uh, knowledge and information, they're able to employ it, make the decisions, and in areas and in climate change, uh, you know, climate emergency or any weather extreme uh, disasters, you know, when men migrate out, women are left alone. And if they do not have mm-hmm. that information, yeah. they would actually starve their family. So that's why it's important to look at, um, you know, integrate the women um, into the uh, climate change debates, whether that is about agriculture, forestry or solar intervention. I mean, I can talk about all 360 degree, but essentially three pieces that I want you to remember in the framework that we're looking at women as the most vulnerable of the vulnerable. Um, then the second piece is about the entire environment, which is the natural resources. And third, looking at what are the risks from the climate change that women or men would sustain. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. at the integration of that, what knowledge and information we can teach and interventions uh, like, you know, uh, the mud houses, let's say for storage, which is the low cost intervention that you can do 
um, with the rural communities, you know, to have more produce and not hurt the environment in return. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will remember these three aspects. <laughs> Did the uh, the process or yeah the process you just described with gathering women together um, and making a group out of women together. Um, this is of course empowering the women themselves to to yeah be be stronger or let's say um yeah empower through through this you empower the women of having more success maybe um but i want to actually step to the side and look at it from a different angle um We now know how to empower women. What exactly, for example, what makes um, women more powerful? But how do you actually see women, and why do you actually see women as actual role in order to establish resilient and sustainable social businesses? Mm. When we look at the gender equal world, um, and when I say gender equal world, we're talking about equal opportunities at least in you know at least for men and women and i'm only speaking of binary at the moment because i think um uh, you know as as a society in india we have not even uh, graduated beyond this at the moment but that does not mean we will we won't and you know to an extent we are but we're slow in this so um when we talk about gender just world how can be created if you know half of the population in india 48% um you know does not have an agency to make a decision to control you know their own lives um so if our patriarchal system is such where women are only confined to households um you know uh, and dependent largely on men for all the decisions not in agriculture for those decisions but even like smaller financial and social decisions also in that a situation a gender equal world is just not possible that is first very plain uh so the mission that i am on is that how do we empower women and faster so we need policies Uh, we need a legal framework we need that architecture to protect the rights of women um we also need so- social mobilization education good healthcare and these development and social protection schemes all of this are also very important there is no denying but the fastest growth that i have seen and i'll quote my own example i come from um you know a state uh where women after um if at all if they are given education i was lucky enough to be born in a family that valued education mm-hmm. uh but i don't think um i would have made it far farer as i have today if i was not you know if i hadn't entered into a, you know the labor force mm-hmm. in the sense the workforce So the moment I started making money, I started making my own decisions, um, and and I'm today not going to delve too much into that. You know, my family also allowed, but just look. Let's look at from the power that I gotten in my own hands because I had the ability to now make a decision whether I will buy a two wheeler to go to the to to my work, 
whether I will marry now or I'll marry, you know, few years later. Um, and even if I chose a partner, whether I will bear a child or not. Mm-hmm. All these decisions were very, came easy to me because I had, um, you know, I was not in my existential crisis anymore. I was not dependent for my food, for my nutrition, for my clothing, uh, you know, on somebody. So from that stand, standpoint of view, when I'm speaking of me, you know, obviously, um, you know, we all have different intersectionalities. You know, when I'm talking to talking about women that I work with, may not have that it that easy even if they have the money but i do know that they when they do have access to money and productive resources they are able to control their lives much more than they have in the past and this i can tell you about you know so many examples i mean we have changed lives about 1 million women in india at udyogini in the last 30 years uh, and let me give you a, a, a really nice example of this that why uh, women's uh, women led business or social business why women so sona bai uh, is a woman in madhya pradesh in one of the states in central india um, so she um, you know had uh, the agriculture and some of uh, you know the um, the goats that she had at home you know and she was and she was making uh you know make do of her life in that like she was managing that her husband was a laborer um she had three children then uh, and we're talking about now 15 years ago um and she had no idea how to manage her household because her husband was away most of the times now what do we do uh in this situation so let me tell you the researchers have established the fact that when it comes one of the coping mechanisms for poor is that they would be you know um you can say they would be biased or they are cruel you can you can label them anyway but you know when when um you know the situation is such that they have to feed five mouths then they might make a choice that which one to feed first mm-hmm. i think you were mentioning about your experience in bolivia and you know um, you said that some people some children healthier children were fed better and than the other children it's actually that discretion when you have two uh, loaf of breads and you have five people to feed you would also end up choosing so who are the worst affected in such a coping strategy of the poor so the elderly and non working women meaning um and children obviously so anybody who is not adding economic value now in such a situation imagine if sona bai had more money she could have you know invested that money in her children and researchers have established that that when women have more money they start they invest more than men into their families and the health and the welfare of their children luckily sona bai came into contact with udyogini around that time we were looking at how do we build a basket livelihood approach and when when i say basket livelihood approach uh, we are essentially saying that you know how do we look at the rural household their consumption pattern and in that what are different ways that we can add an income throughout the season so the husband is gone out let's say to make money um you know whatever little money that he would make he would only be able to come only for a few days and only um you know spend partially of this because he would only be able to spend that much you know and if you look at the economics point of view i think going 
and migrating outside in the city may actually not make you that much income but at least it is earning you some cash mm-hmm. so what we did uh, with sona bai is that we helped her set up a rural shop this was a plain non farm based retail shop with the whole idea that this was this is not going to be a shop where she can you know sell some stuff within the local economy but also is able to aggregate some of the uh, rural you know agriculture produce from other people and then that she will be able to negotiate with the bar- you know with the and she would bargain with the middleman uh, in in the vicinity let's say you know uh, some grains or some uh, you know pulses or the you know um, or the oil for example you know as people had extracted the oil and they gave her that or you know ghee i don't know the butter that we say um so we started only with that idea we also trained uh, not just sona bai but bunch of women um you know making uh, some clothes the you know mm-hmm. sewing and she was given with the machine so some of the some of the productive resources we mobilized through the donors you know so through some grants some people made made donations some of it little bit of it also from the government essentially we really designed the whole rural basket of livelihoods for that 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 bunch of women but i'm speaking of sona sona bai here soon what happened this shop started making profits you know it took it took a lot of energy from our part also you know teaching her because of course many of these women are not literate even so mm-hmm. you know teaching them how to look at uh, the inventory managing the inventory you know looking at the profit and loss looking at you know how much is coming in how much is going out and you know how do you manage when do you order when do you you know so that you don't run out all of this was not easy obviously for sona because she had never done any of this before mm-hmm. um so but soon you know because she was desperate she wanted to learn she quickly um and she also had an entrepreneurial bent of mind let me tell you anika when we say entrepreneurship it sounds that anybody and everybody can be an entrepreneur um in 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 some ways probably it is possible also to an extent you can give some skills you can give them some idea and understanding but successful entrepreneur is not something that happens you know like in abundance there are only few sona bai was one of them it was it um, because she was you know very desperate maybe yes um you know um and she had no other way maybe maybe yeah but she was also very entrepreneurial on her own you know within within 2 years she was able to get all of this and make her business run and sustain and not sustain but actually go beyond uh, the sustain uh, the subsistence subsistence and today let's talk about now 15 years later she is teach, her daughter is studying um you know she's she's done her post graduation and in some fancy science degree i it is wow. unimaginable for me when i personally saw this because when you go in this village it's somewhere you know in the middle of nowhere actually you know there is a rural road now of course in the macro economy also in the macro perspective there is a lot that has changed over the last 20 years but you know her her daughter is now um you know soon going to be um you know in a job sona is not thinking of marrying her daughter her son is already working uh, he's also studied and you know gotten decent education and he is now already working her 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 husband is now helping her in that job and she's not only done this 
she's making sewing clothes she's also developed a orchard you know of mangoes and guavas uh, she's also some of the support has come obviously from udyogini but it does not matter now that where she got the resources she has gotten the hang of it where to get the resources how to multiply this she has now chickens and these uh, you know the chickens are like you know um, many more chicken that she is selling now and uh, also the eggs she is selling she is now set up very recently an oil spelling unit also and all of this and this is not it she is also employed couple of other women you know from her own vicinity so social entrepreneurship you know is possible it's powerful it's you know there is a proof of concept in the last 30 years i can tell you from my experience and from udyogini's experience that you know we have transformed lives and uh, somebody would just say that you're only looking at the income or you're only thinking about the women's economic empowerment but we only did that we didn't focus on anything else everything else happened automatically sona's daughter we didn't teach her we didn't tell her we didn't set up the school we didn't do anything else sona herself took those decisions from the day when she was thinking which child to feed which child to make survive now she is actually all her all of her children are doing really well and sona herself is a happier woman um so so yeah if we were to think of women it is for that reason let's say if we were to you know only focus on uh you know the men i think her husband was already you know working and uh, had migrated or was seasonally migrating at least um but you know we focused on the person who was left behind at the home with three children to feed um with herself to take care of i think we have made an investment very right absolutely and diti um through this you have made one life or many lives better what would be your recommendations now if you upon the discussed and concerning the discussed what would be your recommendations on how to break the gender and climate nexus because we're not only talking at the gender gender issues but on all the climatic changes will be all face um and of course women take the resources from from for example let's say the forest and forest is let's say burning because of climatic changes or um there or other extreme weather events are destroying the mm -hmm. natural resources where the women take the resources from so what recommendations would you give to to kind of like break the gender climate nexus sure um so i don't know how much time do we have but i like to give you another story and it's really interesting uh, you'd really love anika um you know in and, and just to give you because you said about climate change you talked about women and you are interested to know uh, entrepreneurship i will give you all i mean in most of our work we are integrating all the three lenses but this particular one is the closest to my heart um So um I don't know if you've heard about uh, rosemary I'm sure you have so rosemary lemongrass you know so imagine these uh, herbs being converted into a really tasty herbal tea um and in fact anika whenever you come to india um I'll gift you these made exclusively by women women living in himalayan region and this is a project yeah <laughs> i will i will um i i mean 
I don't know if we can send it to you in Germany also. I would love to send oh, these to you. Oh, I would love you. to travel to India. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. I look forward. I'll personally take you around. So, uh, you know, Himalayan region, if you see the climate change we are talking about, and I think people are, and, and we're not paying attention to this actually. But, you know, in the last 20 to 30 years, the degradation in Himalayan region is very steep actually. Uh, and it's very serious. So what is happening is that, and, and, and you know, if you look at the interplay of the wildlife, of the wild flora and fauna, and people living in those forests, if you look at the interplay of that, I mean, from far away, maybe taking a position as, a, you know, as an intellectual, I may feel that, oh, it's actually the poor people, you know, really do not know how to do this. Um, and they are, you know... Um, over harvesting the resources but if you really look deep into this the all beautiful and fancy medicines that you know and the medicinal in industry that we talk about is is there is a nexus here you know uh, even when there is a guideline when there are you know policies and legal frameworks and monitoring and policing there are a lot of people who go in these areas in far flung areas of himalayan region and lure all of these communities to harvest and in fact over harvest and over exploit these Himalayan resources. Mm -hmm. Now imagine uh, an, an, you know, uh, an area where you know, on the upland these herbs are grown naturally. And in the lowlands, uh, because of you know, the, the extreme weathers, you know, the agriculture is eroding. The agricultural land is also the soil is you know the top soil is being eroded. Now the the poor people are living in these areas. Their production rates is going down obviously, uh, and uh, you know the wildlife is also getting desperate. So if you do agriculture, they would come and attack. Now we were caught in this situation where we came to these families in remote areas where men were absolutely gone to the lower uh, states of India for in search of labor because there is no money. There is the desperate, the destitution is really high. Women are left alone. Women have to take care of the agriculture. The wildlife attack is really high. Um, you know, the, uh, the, there is no cash income. Now, what do we do? So we have really come up with a with a superb innovation. And we are very, this is one of the interventions we're very proud of. We had to take care of the issues uh, or the impact of the climate change. We also had to do something for women. We also had to do something so that, you know, the, the wildlife attack is reduced. We also had to do something that, you know, uh, to conserve these medicinal herbs in the upper Himalayan region. So what did we do? We found out that the medicinal and aromatic plants, some of it and not all of it, but some of it which are critical and have a very uh, big, uh, you can say, economic value, um, can be cultivated. Now, this is this was a far-fetched idea. But we worked with women. We mobilized. It took us some time because women didn't believe us because, you know, always these decisions were taken by men. Men were not there. Women didn't know what to do. Um, so we mobilized them and we said that why don't we take the barren patches of land and not your productive patches of land. You do your agriculture because that is needed. You need to grow food for your own consumption. What about these barren patches of land? We would try and cultivate the medicinal plants here. 
and you don't have to do much work you only have to sow them once and then they grow on their own if you really you know know how to do exactly what season when how much you know and if you have to do mulching and all of that so i mean we we taught them you know a package of practice we really translated into actions with these women what has happened when we did this um it didn't take much effort because uh, you know in growing because there wasn't much of this uh, labor work because once you've grown you can leave it alone you don't have to even guard it why because the wildlife is not interested in these so the barren patches of land were now um, you know producing these medicinal plants the wildlife uh, got really discouraged eventually because every time they would come and they would not find any food there that they could eat they would start going somewhere else so without doing any harm to the wildlife we were now having medicinal plants grown in the meantime we taught women that how do we add value to these so let's say rosemary tagar you know there are a couple of other uh, medicinal plants that you know there's a whole range of it if i were to just sit down you know i can give you the list of uh, those 12 20 plants anyway the the we taught the women how to add value to these how to harvest when to harvest you know and then we built a cooperative of the women and these women are now getting the price the good price they don't have to go and sell it illegally to the smugglers or you know uh, those uh, buyers they are uh, selling it um, at at a higher price cash right there and then and this is their cooperative any profit made is also uh, also distributed amongst them so the social entrepreneurship and then in the group form has really borne a lot of results in it and the pressure on the upland himalayan range you know for these has also gone down women don't have to now go and spend 4 hours 5 hours you know taking um, and you know harvesting unsustainably those so this is a win win situation why i told you this story because you asked me how do we look at and what are the recommendations to break the gender and ne- uh, climate nexus so here's what i think first of all like um, you know like how we have to bring women at the fore women are the active agents and we can't just look at them as you know a passive beneficiary at towards the you know at the at the one end of it that you give them something they'll take it no in this case women have taken charge women have um, you know uh, regenerated their barren lands women have taken the charge of breaking the nexus of also um, you know like when you say the climate change nexus you know if there is a demand illegal demand people would keep selling the women have broken that with their own cooperative they're doing it legally and they're doing it with the government so i think if we were to first of all the first thing that we all need to do is we need to start thinking about women in the climate change climate emergency climate action debate if we are leaving them behind i think we will never achieve uh, the results number 1 number 2 we also have to look at the preemptive system response for the poor especially for women so what does that mean we do know that uh, uh, you know the energy the coal based energy if we want to make the change happen we have to make um, you know this as a lucrative proposition in the enterprise or the business proposition um, as a preemptive measure and include women in that so another example would be in jharkhand how we have reached out to women's individual and group entrepreneurs and we are now integrating the solar 
solution solar energy solution with these women you know and this is as an enterprise itself the women are doing it for other women so that would be my second um, recommendation that we have to really look at that and and i think third which i would say that we have to also you know look at climate change as not just one something in a silo we have to bring design thinking and in that design thinking of climate change we have to bring the local people and their livelihoods see we can never address climate change adequately if we are not going to understand the needs of poor people their dependency on the livelihoods on natural resources so just because you and i think that we have to start biking tomorrow we are not we are not taking our bicycles we're still running our cars i still want the tap water to come to my home you know if i am i want all the comforts of modern life or you know so that i can live comfortably and use my time for the intellectual conversations like these with you we have to also apply similar things and similar empathy for the poor people and especially for women and not look at them as labor so this would be my recommendation anika i don't know what you said <laughs> i agree with all of the said and um i thank you for the for the story for sharing it um and yeah i absolutely agree without gender equality it's not possible possible to stop the climate change we need gender equality and we need all hands on deck in order to establish climate justice and um i especially also like the point that we that we need to think of all the interdependencies that go together with the climate and gender and access um yeah so thank you again for 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 picturing that out did you were already at the end of our interview um i would love to talk to you hours more <laughs> but we're already at the end and i want to thank you for everything and for all the points you mentioned and all the stories you shared it was very interesting and very insightful and um yeah so grateful for your time you've dedicated to this interview and i'm so grateful and thankful for all the time you're dedicating to the very important work that you're doing in the fields with the with the communities and women thank you so much deepthi thank you so much anika I it has been a great pleasure and in fact I believe that you know sharing knowledge means you know caring so yeah um thank you so much again Thank you everybody for listening please make sure to hit the bell to not miss any episode if you enjoyed it share the podcast with your friends and help us spread the word because only together we can change our world to the better.